I'm Francesca Donnellan. Welcome to Becoming More Human, the podcast. Every generation, through its arts and creativity, explores the same questions. Who am I and what really matters? We are so often taught how to emulate others to make other people happy. But how do we access what's good for ourselves and be strong enough to actually claim it? It's a constant practice because we all keep evolving. There are no limits to personal growth. You can start your journey today and get closer to discovering your true self. Give back to the people around you and make the world a better place. Hello, listeners. On today's episode, I'm talking with Joe Elvin. Joe is the former editor-in-chief of Glamour magazine and the former editor of You magazine. Based here in the UK, Joe is one of the country's most respected editors. She has written and contributed articles for the majority of British titles, including The Times, The Telegraph, The Evening Standard and The Observer. A highly experienced broadcaster, Joe now hosts a weekly YouTube show called Palace Confidential. The show reaches millions of viewers each week. Following her first hit podcast, It's Just Like Me, Joe launched Fame with Joe Elvin last year because we've all wondered what it's like to be famous, right? Joe expertly navigates and celebrates the world of fame with her variety of guests, including comedian Amy Schumer to actress and activist Jamelia Jamil, Ed Balls and model David Gandhi. Her Sunday nights are spent curating her week ahead outfits with hashtag week on a wall, a mantra Joe swears by and has a positive effect on her hectic life. It was a total honour to interview Jo. I've admired her from afar for years and she didn't disappoint. We could have chatted for hours. I'm a big fan of her hashtag, clothes my husband hates. It's so true. For me personally, I've always dressed for myself. And that doesn't mean it's always a hit for the men in my life. So that's enough from me and let's jump straight in. Welcome, Joe Elvin, to Becoming More Human. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast with us this week. Thank you very much. I'm, as I said to you, I wonder what I'm going to say. <laughs> well, Becoming More Human yeah. is all about discovering who you are, Joe. Free therapy. Let's yeah. go. Okay, let's go. Well, we're going to jump in nice and easy because I want you to pick like a song or a fashion moment or a film, a piece of music that really reflects a point in your life that was kind of quite pivotal at the time i mean it's probably discovering david bowie oh legend. that was i mean i was 12 13 and it wasn't i think if you're a hardcore really og mm. david bowie aficionado you're probably appalled at the people like me who discovered david bowie via let's dance <laughs> even though it was a massive album yeah huge. and it was very very clever of him you know nile rogers blah 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 yeah um, but that was the gateway. He used to terrify me. And then I, I was like, I really liked that album. And then I had no, I was like, oh my God, he sang that song. Oh, that, I didn't know that was David Bowie. <laughs> so, and that was like a real awakening for me. I had a massive crush on him. I loved his style. I loved his back catalogue of style. And it was probably the first time that music really absolutely grabbed mm. every part of me and also introduced me to the fusion of fashion mm. and image and music and all of those things. It was really exciting. And did he have uh, an influence in how you dressed at that time? Did you start to no get the high heels out? I didn't actually platforms? because it took me a very long time. <laughs> I've spoken about this before and written about it. It took me a very long time to have my own self-confidence with how I dressed. Mm, that so, surprises me. Well, I don't, that's but, interesting. Because uh, you, for me, you know, I see you as this leader in, in that 
department. Wow. That's a compliment. I mean, absolutely. I mean, you are an icon for me in that space. Oh, stop it. Sitting there in your beautiful (laughs) shrimp top. Much nicer than anything I've got. You are. You are the queen, especially for all of us who have grown up with you, with Glamour magazine. (laughs) And and then obviously onto you. You know, you are that person. So that's really surprising that that you felt you had to find your feet in that area. I had no... um, confidence I had no body confidence I was such a I was a very very thin girl Mm. and got absolutely hammered at school about it you know like Mm. it it was funny it was like it's it's that that child teen high school thing isn't it if you Mm. if you look out of out of the Venn diagram of average then you're like look at her Mm. and it doesn't matter if you're obese or skinny or maybe you've you know, there was one girl who had a lazy eye. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you've got that thing that really sets you apart. It becomes this thing that you're horrified about. Mm. So I hid away in clothes till I was probably about 32. I used to wear... 32? Yeah. I think I you used to, were going to say to no, that. I, like, I used to wear... 13 or something. You know, I was at Sugar Magazine. I was the editor of Sugar Magazine. And my boss there used to say to me, you've got such a great figure. Why do you wear sort of like shapeless colorless stuff and I was like because I, I, I honestly I could have walked into a shop in, in my 20s and gone well I don't know what I like and what I don't right. is this nice I don't know do I and it was like it took me it took working at glamour did it yeah to find your yeah. to find your style but where does that sense of you know that confidence when you're younger I can understand a little bit but you never seem to to sort of gather any momentum then until you're in your 30s which feels yeah. quite late yeah to be hiding in, especially in the industry that you're working in. Yeah. Um, I think that it was... Was there anything I, else at play, though, then? Yeah, I think that it was... I just was so... Um, I was intimidated by fashion, and, I, you know, I see, mm. it, I see a lot of people are, and now that I'm not intimidated by it, I like that, you know, I, I feel really great, actually, if I put an, in, an outfit on Instagram and somebody comes at me going, well, that's revolting. <laughs> so, and I don't care. I just don't care. It's like, you, you're allowed to not like it, mm. but I do. I never think, oh, God, is it revolting? Maybe I should get changed. Yeah. I but never in your do. 20s, you felt like oh, that. Oh, my God. I just never went out. I was like, no, I haven't got anything to wear. <laughs> and particularly in high school, I was like, you know, it was that thing where I would adventure out and somebody at school on the Monday would say, oh, so-and-so saw you out and said your outfit was horrible. And oh, you, my gosh. Oh, we're all talking and you're too skinny to wear that skirt. You know, it was all of that all the time. And that all came down to body image, ultimately. Yeah, 100%. And so it took me a long time to get over that. And I think I was, yeah, I was, you know, I was in my 30s, 31, 32. And it was the first time I was up for a big award for Glamour. Mm. And I'd been to the shows by this point, but I always wore... A nice Nicole Fari black suit. So you went safe. Yeah, super. So nobody could yeah, actually yeah, comment yeah. on you. You were yeah. just like, this is just, a safe environment. I'm just going to blend in. But sitting front row was just like, this is going to be horrendous. I don't, you know, and I would say, is this all right? Is this all right in my black suit? And I think that the combination of being exposed in that way to so much more fashion, yeah. having to, and, you know, it wasn't a chore for me. I always loved fashion mm. to look at. Um having those conversations being involved in meetings and coming up with fashion ideas and slowly evolving my confidence and slowly realizing that if I liked something but my super cool fashion director didn't like it 
it didn't mean I was wrong. They were just two different opinions. Ah, yeah. you know, it, was like, it, it took me a while to get over that. Yeah. Mm, because that's how it can come across a lot of the time. It's, yeah. you know, fashion is a great example about how to build communities and how yeah. you can exclude people from communities. Totally. And it's funny, I used to joke, I'd go to the shows and we'd come out of somewhere, something like a Gucci or a mm. Chanel or whatever. And we'd go back, pile back in the car. And I used to joke to my friends, I'd say, I would say, I really like, no, me either. No, no, me either. Like to be, like, yeah. <laughs> and then I started, I, it felt really bold the first few times. I said, did you hate that? I really liked it. You know? yeah. Like, yeah. Because, and yeah. you're starting to find your voice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what age were you when you took your big job at Glamour? 30. So that's an amazing amazing break and a, and a big job to and step into. I, I mean, again, and I always joke again, because I've written loads of stuff on, you know, my yeah. personal style journey. It's like, God bless Nicholas Coleridge, the MD of Condé Nast, <laughs> for seeing past my polyester black trousers. And, you, you did know. very well. You've given everything the rest of us see with Devil West Prada. You know, know. How, did, how did that happen? You, I think, without being unkind, I think because he knew that he knew upmarket and he knew that he wasn't as confident in middle market, mm. I think actually that I didn't look like something out of vogue was reassuring for him. <laughs> he was thinking, Sorry. he's not in competition yeah, yeah. here. <laughs> no, he was thinking, okay, she gets those girls. She's like, she is one of those girls who's yeah. like not confident with style and, you know, middle market, yeah. appeal to the mass audience. So, yeah. Well, that's just the thing, you know, you're stepping into this big role and your job then is to provide confidence. Yeah. So did that start to rub off on you? Were you sort of having to listen to your own advice that you were dishing yes. out the magazine? Yes, and I think that I I always I think I started and I did well in magazines because I because I didn't have any confidence as a teenager and I didn't have a big circle of friends and my the friendships I went through that classic high Mm. school girl thing of shifting sands like Mm. you know you'd go to go home happy and then the next day you were unaware there'd been a memo and no one was talking to you you know so I went through all of that as a a high school girl as most of us do and uh, my solace in those periods was magazines Mm. and I used to read and and that was when I read the emotional content of feature magazines for women and young girls I was like oh okay other people feel like this Mm. so I started to really appreciate that content and learn the language of it and I I was good at English and writing and, Mm. and all of that stuff at school so it was just a natural gravitation for me to go in there. And I and I had I started on Teenage Magazine, so I had that voice mm. because I'd lived all of that and I became the person that they always gave the emotional features to. So I always had confidence in yeah. in, in a certain set of my abilities, yeah. but not not in anything to do with the way I looked. That, that that part was something that was going yeah. to come later in life. Yeah, well, I still don't look in the mirror and give myself the finger guns, but do you know what I mean? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'll never do I that. I mean, if you if you are doing that, then you know, you know, you're at a point. I, in your I'm life not doing that because I'm not a man. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, very confident. But you look yeah. amazing today. Well, you're the very kind. Gorgeous. Thank you. So when you're um, when you're sort of working with your magazine, you're working within sort of the younger demographic at that time. And especially around people's feelings and confidence issues. I mean, that was definitely a huge thing. I think it's still a, a big topic for people. I think it's even bigger. A massive. Yeah. And, and people, I mean, it sounds like an older person thing to say, but people are, it feels like we're growing a, a lot faster because of social media. And, yeah. You know, I look back even in, in my generation and how I was getting ready and what I had access to. And, you know, I was pretty much ironing my hair straight rather than using straighteners. And that doesn't seem that long ago, really. Yeah. I was doing that. And it's awful. But I wonder what kind of what kind of things were coming through from your readers all the time that you felt there was like a common theme or thread that was... When I was 
edit, uh, writing as a junior writer for teenage magazines and even then into the 90s when I was an editor of a teenage magazine, there was um, such a drought of information around, um, you know, puberty, adolescence, sexual development, emotional intelligence around new relationships, Mm. all of those things. It was a common theme that girls and some boys, but obviously they didn't feel they could write to us in the same way in their droves. But they, you know, they had questions about their bodies. They were worried that this was Mm. weird or that was weird. Certainly, um, back in my day, it was still a huge um, taboo whether or not you might be gay. Mm. Yeah, all of those things. Um, I remember being at my desk at work at Dolly Magazine, the big teen magazine yeah. at the time, and you know, young girls would phone, you know, tearily asking you things about their periods and 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 stuff like this. So it was a lot of because it was still seen as such a oh, mm. we can't talk to children about this yeah. stuff. And I think it's kind of got a bit confused again, actually, with, I don't know, I think we're so sensitive about child welfare and safety, which Mm. obviously, but I think it's it's possibly ushering in a whole new environment where we are too scared to talk to children about their bodies and Mm. sex and development and all of those things. But that was like the huge theme when I I was growing up and and editing my first magazines. But that, that, like you said, that's where we could all get our information from quite easily. And you could buy a magazine, you know, without your parents necessarily knowing you've got it and you can learn and teach yourself. And now we're obviously... Yeah, but then I was always on Newsnight when I was the editor of Sugar Magazine (laughs) because so many people thought it was outrageous (laughs) that we would talk to children about sexual health. So, well, I mean, you know, when I say children, I mean... 13, 14, yeah, 15, who are hearing it all at school and yeah. their friends are getting pregnant and all of this and we were just going to pretend it wasn't happening. It was crazy. Which is kind of like the British way of dealing with things, isn't yeah. it? It's just pretending it doesn't... Just sweep it under the carpet and if no one's looking and says anything, yeah. we can just get away with it. But, so, but that was the big thing and that was, that was my... My background was features journalism rather than fashion. Yes. And then glamour became the thing where I had to learn fashion right yeah and that's what kind of came first then and then fashion came came after and then you know ultimately you know you've built that career across glamour magazine for 17 years I know isn't that crazy because nobody does jobs for 17 years not anymore anymore, no I think that was probably one of the things they said to me (laughs) like (laughs) Like, listen off you go Joe we've really made a few hints and you've not got it well yeah pretty much (laughs) no no. but uh, no it was um it was just such an easy job to love for that long it just really was that's amazing yeah because not many people in my lifetime we set out to do a job forever it's very much uh, a jungle style career we flip from one thing to the other and it's very multifaceted now and and that's kind of encouraged but there is something rather special and and amazing to have stayed in that job for for that length I think a lot of in a lot of industries those days are over and I think that I I suppose one of the reasons I left you magazine was because I could see that obviously the scope for print magazine jobs and media jobs is shrinking Mm. and I wanted to before I got too old Mm. figure out what was next um, but do you find because I, f- I find I love my hybrid working life mm. I, I love it I and I love the variety but after all that time doing full-time employment I do find it difficult sometimes to remember everything <laughs> yes. um, 
I, I do. I, you know, I, I, and I don't know if that's because I've got too much to do or I've my brain's too old. Since you've I been juggling know. lots Yeah, more, yeah, yeah. You're like, how yeah. do I... He-? Well, first of all, you need a PA, Joe. I haven't got one. Well, that's... I can't afford one. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can recommend you a really good one. That is life-changing when you work for yourself. Because... But then I, my feeling with the PA is, no, just because, I, you know, I always had the luxury of one in my magazine jobs. Wonderful, wonderful women, usually women. But, um I, I feel like sometimes that to me would be another thing on my list to do is to make sure my PA's got <laughs> I know, instructions on I, stuff to do. I thought that, but I, mine, yeah. mine saved my bacon for the last six years. And okay. it's, it's definitely helped because well, when I think, I've got some bacon, you <laughs> <yes, laughs> need to get the bacon in first. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. it's just, it's, um, it's part and parcel of being a woman. We seem to be very good at juggling a lot and yeah. decompartmentalizing everything from, yeah. you know, I need to buy the dog food to, oh, I need to go and chair a meeting. Yeah. You know, it's we can flip between all of that so quickly. And I think you might find, you know, when you're trying to juggle lots yourself, it's exhausting sometimes. And yeah. you have days where you're like, how do I manage this? I just need to go and have a sleep for five minutes. Yeah, to and, then, and then, you know, I think I had a day a couple of weeks ago where I, where I really did have I was able to do nothing yeah and I really struggled because yeah. I thought I should be doing something mm. you know, know. it's like it's really hard because when you're in the corporate world you're, you are in and out of meetings a lot that you might not necessarily always need to be in yeah so your diary's getting packs full of things that you might not necessarily need to do but when you're in your own time if you're packing it that full again you're suddenly getting very busy and time is money so once you can pull yourself out of that I just sometimes think how long would I usually have spent making a cup of tea or having a chat with somebody if we're not doing that then actually just have it's really true and I you know I found I got invited to go to a fitness retreat a couple of months ago Ooh. and I got the email it's a friend of mine who's a PR and dragged oh, yes. me along and I, and, I Love got, that. and I got the email and I did what I always do I had this default sort of like you haven't got time for that uh, and I thought, hang on a minute, didn't you like start this whole new life so that you could maybe occasionally do yeah, what you're meant so to I do with it. this new yeah, life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I, did that feel quite anxiety-inducing to start it with? It felt decadent for sure, especially because I went on my own and sort of said to my husband, do you mind if I go? You know, but um, <laughs> it, de- it definitely felt indulgent. It's funny, isn't it? Because yeah. this is the life that you've now set out for yourself and yet it's still hard to pull back the life that you had. It's still hard to release yourself from it. And I, I don't know, I think this is definitely a woman thing that I've always, I've never, I don't think that inner prefect in my head is ever going to shut up. Mm. Ever. Like, you know, like, oh, shouldn't you be doing, you shouldn't be eating that. Should be doing more, should be doing more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've never, <laughs> I do have a, I do think sometimes, oh, just that's just that voice, but it's, it's it never really leaves yeah. the pit of my stomach, that gut feeling that should be doing something. So like, yeah. yeah, which is also what driving is driving you to, yeah, to do yeah. all the many things you're doing now. Yeah. In your in your letter when you were announcing that you were leaving U Magazine, you sort of referenced midlife crisis <laughs> as a joke. Yeah. As a joke. Yeah. Do you, but do you feel like you've experienced that because you've you've obviously had a wonderful career in magazines and things have ended not necessarily on your terms, mm. but this ended on your terms. Was this very much are you asserting yourself now into your position and saying, I'm taking control for this Yeah, now? and I think I just wanted to... You might, you've probably read as well, I wrote about how um, I stayed at Glamour for a long time because I loved it, but, it, but definitely for the last couple of years because I was scared of... I didn't know what else to do. That's interesting. And I didn't want put myself in that position again I didn't want to get so comfortable again that it was scary to Mm. move on to the next thing 
I realised, you know, you, you did stay too long at Glamour. Don't stay too long at the next thing. And I also, I don't know if men feel this or not. I don't necessarily think this is a, a, a sexist issue. Yeah. Maybe partly. But I just sort of thought, you know, I'm 50, I was 52 and I thought the longer I, I could stay here and be comfortable. Yeah. And then look up one day and I'll be like 57. Mm. And then it'll only be harder to mm. start something new. It's just reality. Yeah. So that's why I thought you've got to do it. So, so you've got to yeah. make that jump. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, when you're coming to the end of like a romantic relationship with somebody, you know, it's going to, it needs to end, but neither of you dare end it. Yeah. Is it a bit like that with Glamour? You're just like, I needed to do this, but the yeah. other side seems so And daunting. I was relieved when somebody else did the dumping. Did they? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, be- because I can see that. To be honest, though, because I, I just was too scared to do it. So, it, yeah, it, it, you know, all things come to an end and it wasn't a pleasant time, but it, one way or another, one day it was going to end. Yeah. And it was time. Have you had, have you built sort of support network around yourself now to help with your, like, the confidence part of it and trying to make sure that you're the owner of, of your life and the leader of it now? Do you, have you I, spent I, time honestly, working on yourself? Yes, on myself, but I do, I do lean heavily on the people I'm close to. Yeah. Uh, my husband's amazing at, you know, sort of like being a sounding board, being a cheerleader, being a pep talker, you know, we're, we're there for each other in that way, 100%. And he's always the first person if I'm sort of, you know, need yeah. some advice or, but I've also got an amazing network of girlfriends. Yeah. So, and I, and also I'm always, I, I love surrounding myself at work with people who I feel mm. have got my back. Yeah. So that is so important because you can't yeah. do everything. And I think that as a leader, you can make the mistake of thinking that you have to look like you've got all the answers. That's so true. And I think that sometimes it is actually better for people. Not You don't want to look like you're running around like a headless chicken and like you, yeah. ha- you haven't got a clue how to make a decision. But I don't think it's bad to say to your trusted lieutenants, what do we do? What do you think? Mm. What do you, and, yeah. and, and gather information and advice. Yeah. Because I think that's really empowering for people who work with you. Yeah. And you you're never ever one person going to have all the answers no well certainly not and especially when you're felt with this big life change i remember when i quit my job uh, over 10 years ago my corporate job and i remember waking up in the morning and i thought what the hell do i do and i just went to the pub (laughs) <laughs> I've, I've thought about that a few times but I haven't done it well well done you you're a better woman than I am I was like it's yeah. definitely 12 o'clock somewhere I yeah. was you know I, I definitely struggled I was 27 I oh think. my god you're a baby I know see that's a brave thing I would never have been that brave when I was that age I didn't think I know I wish I probably thought about it a bit more but I didn't and I and I remember thinking I'm not sure how to manage this and it was very hard and that that triggered my self-development journey because I realized I was more than my job. Yeah. And I and I actually thought for a long time I, I was just my job. I thought that at Glamour. And I, I remember you giving sermons about how, because I'd been fired from another job when I was about 28. Right. And that was... It's a steep learning curve at that age. Yeah, that was a real, that was a body blow. That really, really? that really hurt. That took yeah. me a long time to recover some confidence from. But I also thought, oh, well, I got through that and I survived it. That's the worst thing that can happen at work and I survived it. Wow. Did you get an external help at that stage or were you surviving? No. That was, that was from no, yourself. I yeah. was really, I was in a bad way with that for a while. But, you know, you live and learn. Mm. Um, and so I honestly thought that work couldn't upset me again. 
You thought I've reached the pinnacle. Yeah, yeah, done. yeah. I thought I've done, I've done the worst. <laughs> but, you know, and then glamour became difficult in other ways because it had been so successful and then the market and technology and everything yeah. changed around it. And so we were... You know, we went from being the cool kids and the golden kids at work to being slightly the problematic ones because mm. no one knew how to make this thing make money anymore. Yeah, right. So that was difficult in its yeah. own way. And then I accidentally fused my identity to that job by virtue of being there so long. Mm, you were glamour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, as I, I said before, I think my daughter... By the time I left... I mean, my daughter was born while I was at Glamour and I was still there when she was... How long ago is it now? So she was like 13 yeah. or 14. So so she was brought up with Glamour. Yeah. yeah. I was, her mum was, quote unquote, the editor of Glamour. That's yeah. all she knew. So, and it's yeah. quite hard to, it is, it's hard to break free from that because that's what's made you also so successful. Yeah. And it's given me, look, I'm really at pains to be very magnanimous about it because yeah. I am. It was just, you know, I got made redundant loads with other people. It was painful. But my God, what a ride, what a break. Yeah. What a, what a brilliant job it was for so long. Mm. So I do feel very grateful for yeah. that. Yeah. Do you, have you had to, to jump into your self-development journey now? Like, you know, you mentioned going on a retreat. That's a little toe in the water. Well, it was brilliant. It's called The Body Camp and I loved yeah, it. But I, I was the body camp. I was there for, I really, and you, 25-year-old me would not believe that I'm saying this now, but like I love fitness mm. and I love testing myself in that way. So I was really excited about that. I was not so excited about sitting around talking about myself, which might be a surprise to anyone listening to this right yeah. now. But I don't, I don't, I don't like. No. What don't you like about it? I don't want group therapy. Yeah. I just don't want it. Would you like individual therapy? Um... I haven't really got time. <laughs> that's oh, why I exercise so much. Yes, there so, we go. That's your therapy. Yeah. Um, it's your meditation then. My, my, my therapy is exercise and my dog. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we could probably all do with more therapy than we get. But, um, you know, I, I absolutely loved it. But I was much happier when we were out doing stuff rather than, so, Joe, what are your addictions? You know, it's like, you know, like, oh. it's like yeah, yeah. And you're like, do I have any? Do yeah. I well, no, I don't. I, well, I fessed to shopping. <laughs> Did which, you? That's, yeah. But, so um, that's, I mean, that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's a turnaround for the books as well. You know, that's something that you've really honed for the last, you know, the, the latter half of your life rather than it being from the Yeah. Beginning. Yeah. Exactly. So, well, and I mean, it's got its roots in, you know, my parents went bankrupt when I was a kid and yeah, all this sort of stuff. So it was like you, the hoarding mentality is uh, sort of like born of that, I think. So, that, yeah. yeah. And also maybe the safety as well, like being glamour for 17 years, there's a, safe, yeah. there's a safety net in that from, I guess, if you've experienced that type of thing. Isn't definitely. It? Oh, Youngster. definitely. Yeah. That must have been a hard thing to have witnessed your parents going through that. Well, it's funny, isn't it? It was. I was so young. I was like 13, 14. And it was one of those things that was like, it was, I lived through it. My mum got really quite ill during that time, mm. just, you know, from the emotional yeah, stress of it all. It was quite difficult. It was really strained on them. She also had a newborn, my sister. Wow. I don't know. I just lived through it day to day. And it was like, I think I was um, I was backpacking and we were up all night waiting to get on a ferry that was super late. So we'd been sitting up in this bar, mm. drinking tea and coffee, and it was like six in the morning. And I started talking about it, and it was the first time I'd talked about it ever. It was like wow. twenty twenty one. So you just kept it in. Yeah, but I hadn't even really noticed that I'd kept it in. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it was like when I was talking about it with these two girlfriends I'd met at university. I was like, that was a really shit time. Oh my god that was like you know what I mean yeah, like, you're like oh, yeah you recognized it in that moment yeah it, but it's it it, part of your subconscious it just sunk straight in yeah 
So, and then if you, yeah, and I guess that that manifests itself in other ways. It can come out of you, and without realizing it, be part of your decision making process. I've, oh, hundred percent. It definitely has been with money over the years. I've had to. I've got a financial advisor now who's like, if you can't see it, it doesn't mean it's not there. And I'm like. <laughs> maybe it does she's like no you know it's like it's like, you know it's like we have those conversations so, so have yeah. you been more on leaning on the side of extra careful with money then since you saw that yeah old, yeah have you had I've moments never, where I've, you've just been I'm, i mean mortgage aside i would rather die than be in debt i'll you know i will go without a lot before i put myself in debt and that and i have to point out i know that that is in itself speaking from privilege you know oh, I've, yeah. I've, i earn well enough yeah. to be able to live within my means yeah. but i've always been you know there was yeah. a time when i got to london and i had maybe two shirts and one pair of jeans you know do you know yeah. what i mean so, so you've you experienced know, it all and you've yeah, been, yeah you yeah. rightly so you've built your career to, to get to this point yeah it's interesting isn't it we i had um somebody on the podcast we talked about money previously and it's something that doesn't and finances it doesn't come up a lot and it, you know becoming people more, don't like talking they about don't it. and no. becoming more human and being human money often is at the center of all yeah. of that and i think that it's hard to talk about for lots of reasons and i think it's hard at the moment because we're also aware of how many people are genuinely yeah struggling in a really quite terrifying mm. way yeah and that upsets me a lot yeah um but the flip side of that is I've often talked about, and I'm going to write about this on my Substack soon, is that there's this, I, I'm really not here for people being embarrassed to want yes. to earn a lot of money. Yeah. I think, and um, particularly we, t- we tell women a lot to go for your passion. You know, if you're doing what you love, you'll never feel like you're working a day. Well, that's great, but mm. there's also bills, everyone. Yeah. And money can't buy happiness but it can certainly stave off anxiety and and you know so it's things like that so i always think i bet no one told alan sugar to go for what you love he went no fuck this where's the money And, and i don't think that there's necessarily I don't necessarily think that's a terrible no. trait in a human being. I just don't. So. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think I think on that, though, I think it's important to teach people what to do with money. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. we're not taught, even if we've only got £100, how to make that worth 200 Yeah. You know. I, I didn't learn anything like that until I was much later in life. Me too. Yeah. And I, that's dawned on me recently. I'm like, oh, this is a whole other world over here. Yeah. Did someone told me Your about money this can one. go to work. Yeah. Putting yeah. your money to work. And if somebody had told me that in my 20s, yeah. maybe I'd be a millionaire now. Probably not. I don't I'd think I'll ever. I will never be a millionaire. <laughs> What's that old poem that's like, I'm the Saturday's child, works hard for a living? Yes, that's me. That's me. <laughs> Mine all goes on shoes. Well, mine used Thanks. to, but I'm a lot broker these days. So it's like, yeah, it's like we're, we're recycling heavily. Heavily, so, yeah. yes. Well, we're all about that. This this yeah. year definitely is mm. about not buying new for sure. Mm. But you, you know, you've you've got you've got a young daughter that you must now see her growing up in this industry that was very different from how you grew up. You know, I grew up with magazines as well and obsessed with them, and I've got back catalogues of all sorts still stacked at home. Um, we're now getting our information, obviously, very quickly. We're looking at photos of everybody on Instagram, yeah. pouring over celebrities, almost putting ourselves in their lives in a way. How does that play out with having a teenage daughter? I mean, it's really scary. <laughs> it's like, have you got kids? I don't, no. Uh, so it's... I've got lots of nieces and nephews, yeah. and I'm watching them sort of grow up, and I'm... It's nerve-wracking. It's actually... I understand that, the you know, people talk about how in lots of ways it is worse. It's, you know, there's that thing where we say, oh, you know, if you got bullied at school, you could go home, you'd be at home. Mm. 
sometimes the bullying follows people into their bedrooms. And I, un- I do understand that. Mm. I think that that is really terrifying. But I also just see a lot of comparable things. I see a lot of people feeling left out, people not being invited to things. Mm. And I don't think social media necessarily amplifies that that much, actually. Yeah. But I do worry when I think I know how sometimes social media if I'm having a bad day can make me feel low Mm. like I'll you know my open Instagram get distracted shut it again and I feel low and I can't Mm. and I if I said well why do you feel I was like because I saw that so and so yeah and my other friend and they didn't invite me and you know know, and so and I and I'm a 53 year old grown woman and and that and it's giving me that little dent of Mm. sadness so I don't know what that's like when your brain's not even fully formed and you possibly are as lacking in confidence as I was to begin with at like 13, 14. Mm. So it's How would you have worrying. dealt with it if, if it was I around when really you were young? No, I don't know. But mm. then I probably, in the same way that I saw solace in magazines and a couple of the other weird kids, yeah. I probably would have found yeah. other, other tribes in a bigger pool yeah. on social media. So I think it's easy to be pessimistic and I think we must be vigilant, but I think there's also positives as well. Mm. I, I, don't, I don't really get TikTok because I'm too no, old. I'm medically... It's, it's illegal for me to understand TikTok. She's obsessed with TikTok. <laughs> Is she? That's her thing. Yeah. They all are. That's where yeah. they get all their information. It scares me. Yeah. Just even downloading it scares me. I just don't get it. I don't know how to use it. No. I just see lots of dances on there and I think don't start. But I love dancing and I can I know my 15-year-old self would have been all over yeah, that. Yeah, but I, people send me TikToks all day and I enjoy them. Yeah. But I don't know how to find anything that I want to watch <laughs> on TikTok. So, well, yeah. that's not a bad thing, maybe. Maybe. Before, we'll never know, Joe. Yeah. That might be the next project. You'd be dancing on there. And yeah, <laughs> I'm sure everyone's that. got a high demand for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. In terms of sort of now, you've come out of, of, of You Magazine. What's the next? steps for joe in this dazzling new career that you're forging for yourself yeah and being your own businesswoman i don't know about that well i'm running this i'm running children with cancer uk i'm ceo there i do that that's ostensibly a three-day week job you know inevitably it bleeds into other days of the week but but what drew what drew you to to go into that then from from working in the magazine what drew me was i could see the parallels in what what my skills can bring it's a 35 year old charity that's raised 300 million pounds and helped significantly increase survival rates of childhood cancers particularly leukemia we spend millions every year on Mm. um, funding research yeah uh, all around the country yeah and some international um, research projects as well we're making a difference to young people and their families when they really need it with help with you know support with things like being able to afford to make Mm. it to treatments and and things like this it's like it opens up a whole world that if you're lucky enough to never have been touched by it it's just things that just don't occur to you yeah but having said all of that they've done all this amazing work and no one's really heard of them no well i hadn't no no a lot of people i meet haven't so my job is to talk about it yeah. raise the profile I've just with the team done a massive rebrand mm. and a relaunch we've just launched a new campaign all around mini the mini milestones that children right. with cancer achieve and face I want to bring in celebrity ambassadors yeah. I want to bring new Great. more creative ways of fundraising on top of what we already do yeah. 
and just, I don't know, I just think it, it's done an incredible amount of work, but yeah. I think there's a lot of untapped potential. So as a challenge, it's exciting. Is it something that you've been personally touched by? Not personally, touch wood. Yeah. But I don't, I, I know even before I had this job, I knew young children in my community yeah. who I was really shocked to find, you know, knew a 14-year-old girl who found she had lung cancer, which is just, even like a scientist I said that to was like, what? This is like, it's yeah, just, how? she's doing fine, but it was, you know, that was a shock. I think that um, you don't have to have cancer in your family for it to have an impact on the community. And so I think that it's something that with, you know, projected rates being one in two, Mm, I think it's something that we all have to play our part in helping to eradicate. Do you feel that you're stepping into this sort of new chapter of your life now where you're almost leading with your heart rather than your head? I think what I'm leading with is I just want... I'm looking for variety and I'm looking for flexing muscles that I haven't been able to. Mm. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but there's, you know, dabbling in some TV projects, book projects, got my own podcast, um, you know, things like that. And I love, I just really like audiences and creating content, probably Mm. much like yourself. So I'm enjoying that because I've got this part-time role and they are very supportive about me yeah being sort of like multifaceted yeah i just want to see what's out there i just want and yeah and you know whereas all my life i've had the kind of jobs and contracts where i have to say no to things yeah and now i don't have to so and all that freedom well it's scary i'm very busy (laughs) yeah all that freedom freedom. and then you're like yeah it's like like when you're sort of like working on a a, an article at midnight for a deadline you're thinking yeah this this work-life balance yes i know i think i need to review this but yeah years a few years ago i had this idea of writing a book um and it was called finding freedom i think i got thirty thousand words in um and then harry and megan fucked you over yeah yeah. They, they did really you should sue them but i should i know damn they've got the money they, yeah. <laughs> that's how i get my million yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on a minute i got an idea yeah. yeah yeah look this idea of finding free this idea of there's something better than the other this idea of like working for somebody else versus working for yourself it's yeah just nothing's better or worse it's just different no. and i've always and, you know i think i've seen friends who've started businesses and that's yeah. not for me no it's just really <laughs> at least not, you can take that off yeah the but list. Or like all my fear about money and all my fear oh, of that will come that kind of responsibility i couldn't yeah. be personally responsible for somebody else's salary i just don't think i could do it yeah no so, yeah it's petrifying it's best not to think too much about something yeah yeah <laughs> joe i'm gonna ask you three quick questions oh, i'm really rubbish at things like this but carry on but you can take your time <laughs> <laughs> What is the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself today that you sort of didn't know in the last sort of few years? Probably that I'm stronger than I give myself credit for. Mm. I can be more resilient. I definitely have challenging days and, and, and wobbly days, but I surprise myself sometimes with being able to pick myself up and be resilient mm. in the face of certain challenges. Yeah. Mm. And I love that. And is that a good piece of advice as well for people to remember is that even when the chips are down or something happens is to kind of look for that next thing and, and to keep and going. yeah and I always try to think you know well 
this is absolutely awful now, but in a month, mm. it's it's already going to be different. Or you know, like so, yeah. That's such a great outlook. Yeah. Um, do you have a a quote or a mantra or something that inspires you or that you live by? <laughs> well, the one that, that reassures me, I've written about it before, is like the best piece of advice I ever got. Well, sorry, did I just kick you? I no, thought no, it was no. The, I thought it was the chair. <laughs> um, it was. Um, Right now, somebody out there thinks you're a shit and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so, wanna, yeah, Sorry, that. am I allowed to? I keep swearing. No, but, um, you can swear on this podcast. Uh, that's brilliant. I feel like I'm just having like one of those little light bulb moments at the moment. Not, I mean, we, I, think, I think we all ultimately essentially know that, but it's, it's really well, great. It, it, it's it good to actually, remind yourself. It just helps you think that, you know, we all make mistakes. We all make decisions that maybe we shouldn't yeah. have. So, but even like the decisions you've made with the best intentions, especially as a manager, are often going to mm. really upset people. Yeah. And there's nothing I can do about that. I just have to try my best to do, to act in the way that I think I should. So, but it's hard sometimes when you feel, I, again, I feel like speaking from a, a woman's perspective is this idea of trying to be perfect. Mm. And, that's what you've just said is so great because I think so many of us trying to be perfect, trying to do the right thing all the time yeah, and worrying about what everybody else is thinking and not thinking, is this right for me? Yeah. And it's hard. It's a really hard thing. It's, it's, it's such a, yeah. an, an, in, like an intrinsic conditioning that mm. I think that is hard. So that's why every now and again, yeah, I, I love try that. and remember that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's going to stay with me. Good. Okay. Last question is what does becoming more human mean to you? Becoming more rounded in what I do and and what I and who I get to be with and mm. you know just yeah. like not not feeling like I I think I spent a lot of time in my twenties and thirties think almost like I was only ahead <laughs> do you know what I mean like <laughs> so like running around always in my head always rushing from this that to the other I think that becoming more human for me would be having the time to breathe and. Let myself go to the body retreat. Yes. And, and do your group therapy, Joe. Yeah, no, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, and just feel like I'm not just what I do. And I think that's, that is still yeah. hard for me, but mm. it's, I'm, that's what I'm working towards. Okay, well, we do like giving some homework on this All right. podcast. So I'll, I'll happily take that homework. Yeah, working on your whole version of you yeah. in your entirety, who is Joe, without all the other little facets that that make yeah. that up so yeah. well that's exciting Joe. I thank you so much for being on the podcast well, I've enjoyed my therapy session thank you <laughs> I'm Francesca Donnellan and you've been listening to Becoming More Human the podcast you can follow Becoming More Human on Instagram subscribe rate and review the podcast on your podcast apps such as Spotify Apple Amazon and Google and don't forget to check out our website for exclusive audio content on becomingmorehuman.co.uk Join me next week for another inspiring conversation. Thank you for listening.